0: Don't stop dancing and dreaming. Don't you love that line? There is still good news worth repeating, right? So let's repeat some good news today. There's a question that we must answer today. You're going to think that when you hear this message, that this message was purposely crafted for this Sunday. But the truth is, the theme and the message was planned out long before I knew what COVID-19 was. Right? That's like a whole new vocabulary for all of us. You hear coronavirus, you hear COVID-19, and this just shifts something within us internally, doesn't it? But there's a question in all this, and the question is this. Do you... Trust God. Do you trust God? In turning to God, a fundamental and essential choice we must make, if we're going to turn to Christ, a fundamental choice we must make is to trust God. But let me also ask this. What does trusting God look like? I want you to imagine... What does that actually look like for someone to trust in God? Well, fortunately for us, all you have to do if you're here in the sanctuary is you just need to look to the southwest corner. So go ahead and turn around and look to the southwest corner. There you go. And you, all you need to do is just look at our wailing wall prayer station that we have set up for Lent, that is in the back corner. And if you want to see what trusting God looks like all you need to do is go back there and begin to read some of the prayers that people have been writing there and you catch a glimpse of what it looks like to trust in God let me share with you some of those I pray that God would be more real in my life and I would be more grateful I love this one dear heavenly father the list is long (laughs) right spirit lead me we could all do that Lord here comes my list Right, I pray, Lord, for strength in troubled times of grief and strength for daily living. I need to turn to God to decide what my future will be like. Lord, I give you my children. They know the way. Draw them to your loving arms. I pray for wisdom and guidance as I seek to be the mom God can help me to be. I can, moms, on on some mornings you're probably saying, it takes everything I got to trust God, right? I pray for wisdom and guidance. Help me to believe and move closer to all that you have created me to be. And here's one that requires trust. I pray that I could forgive others as the Lord has forgiven me. Remember, most of these, many of these were written on February 26th, long before where we are today. Listen to this one. I pray that God watches over our world, a world in such crisis and chaos. May he guide us to peace and love. I pray that God opens up my heart to learn to trust him, to learn to trust him and to strip away worry and anxiety. And then this one. This is a statement of trust, I think. Thank you, God, for being here today. Every day, right? Trust in God looks like a person who brings all of life, all of life in faith to God. Who comes to God in faith and says, Lord, here's all of life. I bring that to you now. I think that we could take the psalm from Psalm 34, those words, we could post those on our prayer wall. I think they're a prayer wall, wailing wall worthy. For our prayer station in the back, these words from Psalm 34. This is the word of the Lord for you and me today. Beginning with verse 1. Let's look together. I will extol the Lord at, at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let's say that last verse eight together. Here we go. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. May God bless his word to us today. In this season of turning, that's the theme we have for Lent, this idea of turning towards God. But in this season of turning and in this, in this season of life and culture and society that we find ourselves in, turning requires us to place trust in God. And that's an easy statement. That's the kind of thing we say to people who are really struggling, are in crisis, and they come to us, and they tell us their situation, and we don't know what to say. So we say stuff like, well, you know what? You need to trust in God, and everything's going to be okay. And we just sometimes flippantly say that. But those words, nevertheless, are very true. And so let me ask you, what are you trusting in God with regard to the anxiety created by the stock market plunge this past week? Are you trusting in that for your well-being? What are you trusting God with in regard to the coronavirus pandemic and the fears that are surrounding it? What are you trusting in God with regarding the concern over the constant conflict, treaties, broken treaties, wars, conflict, terrorist threats, back and forth. It's now part of our culture, always. What are you trusting in with regard to unanticipated changes in your well-being or decisions that are overwhelming or temptations that are defeating. It's an important question that we have to answer. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? You need to, I need to, individually, we all need to answer that question. What are we trusting in? Where do you turn? What do you do? What do we do? So when all of these things around us happen in our lives, Be honest with yourself. Where do you turn? I think if we were honest, we would confess we are tempted to turn to the news media. In fact, I think we probably all need to take periods of fasting from the news media right now. Just because of what we end up allowing it to do to our anxiety. That's a choice we're making, not them. So sometimes I think we turn to the news media of our choice for information. Or we turn to our financial planner for assurance. Or we double down on our self-protection and our self-reliance. But frankly, the media's agenda is often not information, but it's ratings. A financial planner is wise to have, but she does not necessarily deal in the true treasure that you can't hold between your hands. And looking to our own self-protection and self-reliance, well, you see, that often leads us to be more fearful, more inwardly drawn, and not people of faith. So you see, Psalm 34 is perfect for us because the psalm reflects back to a time when King David was on the edge of despair and defeat and hopelessness. Things were shifting in his life. Things were not easy in his life. Real life threats abounded. He was powerless. He was without hope of rescue. He identified with the afflicted. He struggled with fears. At one point, he was destitute. Safe places were few. And just when he thought He was okay. It was pulled out from underneath him. Okay, so let's let's see if we can relate to this very ancient word. Let's see if the Bible today is relatable to us. An unpredictable future. An uncertain present. An unexpected life situation. Powerless to do anything about it a real and reasonable fear, a loss of ability or capability or opportunity, a threat to well-being, something or someone meaning harm, a constant insecurity surrounding the unknown. Do you think we relate here to what's happening, Psalm 34? But what happens is as the psalmist looks back to that time of instability, And that fear that was seeking to crush him, he realizes something. He realized what sustained him. He realized what was the place of his refuge, which was the safety of God. I want you to think about that with me. The safety of God. I have been dwelling on the safety of God for the last three months, probably more. I've been wanting to grab hold of that As never before, this idea of the safety of God. The truth is, truth is, we are perfectly safe in God's care. We are perfectly safe in God's care. Look how um, the psalmist puts it. Look at the language, the metaphor he uses. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That's the idea is like bivouacking in the military term, gathering around, right? The, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So here's my question, my next question. Have you had a good taste of God lately? How's God tasting these days? Huh? You see, that's what we're inviting one another to this, this idea of tasting. But here's the, the, the deal The psalmist, when we start thinking about tasting food, we start thinking about like sitting down and having this big old meal. But that's not what the word means here. It actually has the idea of experimenting or sampling. It's, it's the idea of maybe having a big buffet table. Now, here is part of my image of heaven right now. A big buffet table with all these mini little samplings of really good food. And then for eternity, I'm just going down like this. Mmm, that's good. I'm going to sample some of that. I'm going to try some of that. That's the idea here. It's the idea of sampling, the idea of experimenting it's as if the psalmist is saying this to you and me. I dare you to believe that God is good. I dare you. Try it. Give it a try and believe that God is good. I'm challenging you to do that. That's a word of challenge for us from the psalmist. I love that picture. And because that's true that he's good, if my faith is truly in God, then there are facts that I can stand on. He later puts it this way, verses 9 and 10. He says, Fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The word fear here is not, oh, you need to be afraid of God. No, it, it's another word for worshipful trust. Worshipful trust trust. And when we lean into worshipful trust, there are echoes of truth that we must seize and commit to memory. Do you ever have that place in your morning when you're you're, like, you're sleeping, but you're awake, right? You know, you're, you're beginning to go from sleeping to awakefulness. What do you think of in those places, if you remember? I could tell you that almost every morning, it seems to me, There's one thing that comes to my mind. Happened this morning. And this is what comes to my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. On some mornings, I'll lay there and I'll recite the entire psalm to myself. Many mornings, probably most mornings, I get just verse 1 done. And then I'm out of bed. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We need to remember that and hold on to that, right? And then it's worth repeating the words that James shared with us earlier in the service. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then writing to a group of Christians who are trying to figure out their faith, thinking about giving up on their faith, we read these words in the letter to the Hebrews. God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now when we read passages of Scripture like that, we need to understand that these are not instructions on how to make us feel better. That's not what these are. Rather, these are declarations of the nature of the God we worship and the nature of our relationship with Him. These words are evidence of who He is to us. And really, how we can relate to him. The Lord is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. Nothing can separate you, me, us from the love of God. He will never leave me. Never forsake me. It's all about that relationship. But let's be clear. Let's be very clear. That does not mean we will not encounter fear and doubt and hardship and struggle. In fact, in many ways, this psalm and all psalms teach us that faith in God is a faith for the struggle, in the struggle, and through the struggle. That's what faith in God is really. I don't mean that in a negative way, but rather it teaches us that we are called to struggle through the challenges in life with a rock-solid faith in God in the midst of the struggle. That's what God calls us to. That's, That's part of that difference. That comes out in our lives. Now, how many of you here have refrigerator magnets? How many refrigerator magnet people? Put them up. Come on, put them up. Okay. After the service, we have um, RA meeting. Refrigerator magnets anonymous afterwards. All right, because you know what refrigerator magnets? You know what they do? They take over the world. At least they take over the kitchen. And you come around the corner and you look and you go. What happened to my refrigerator? It's gone. And all you see is all this stuff, right? Well, Kathleen has one thing. She has these little magnets that are teeth, and she has those, and we put them on the refrigerator from being a dental assistant, you know. And on it, she has this one statement that is never coming off our refrigerator, and this is what it says. Sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. Let that sink in. Sometimes, it's happened in my life where I prayed and the storms calmed. And things turned out. I went, okay, that was great. Sometimes, I prayed and the storm raged on. And on. And on. And on. But he met me there. And he calmed my heart there. And he brought peace to me there. Our faith in God in the midst of struggle, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of fear, changes us. Fear is not something to avoid. As much as I am fear-averse, and I want to avoid it. But rather it is something to face. Fear is something to engage. It's something to walk through. The person who says they're never afraid is not being truthful. Because every one of us faces fears and challenges and hardships that that undo us a little bit. How good is it to know the Lord is our shepherd and we can trust him? We walk through it. How do we do that? Again, look how the psalmist instructs us. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears, Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Notice, he sought, he looked, he called. He sought, he looked, he called. That's the person who intentionally determines to make a choice to seek God in the hard hard place. The person who faces a fearful world differently, who doesn't face a fearful world on the world's terms, but with faith in God. And the the psalmist says, they are radiant, that something reflects in their lives that is different. And how interesting is it that Jesus Christ himself, when he was describing his followers in the Sermon on the Mount, said this, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Right now in this world of ours that we're we're walking through this this time in our society and culture, unprecedented. We get to walk as the light of the world. Everyone in this room today is the light of the world. We get to walk out and be radiant, is what the psalmist says in describing us. The question is, is, why is that? Why is it that we can be that? As I said earlier, this is something that I'm trying to grab hold of in a new and deeper way as never before. I've been thinking about this, and I want to share with you some things that have been in my reading and in my mind for the last several months. This idea of the safety of God. A spiritual friend of mine, David, wrote in a letter to me these words. Jeff, as you well know, God's presence surrounds us always. We sometimes need a prompt to become aware of it again. You are in the very best of hands and no harm will befall you without God's knowledge and permission. What a good word that is. Amen? So let me ask you, remember we started with, do you trust God? Can I ask you, can you believe that? Can you believe that God is good and can be trusted? Because the truth is, This relationship with God is reduced down to five letters that make up one word. And that is the word trust. Right? That's the word trust. Can you trust God today? And the truth is, that truly is at the heart of it all. Right? Reuben Job was a pastor. And um, he was a Methodist bishop. He was a writer and author. He, He wrote extensively on the practice of the discipline of prayer. Um, and you could get many of his writings. I would highly recommend them. But in his last year of his life, he was in hospice care. And he died in 2015. And while he was in hospice care, his, his heart was so fragile and frail that when he'd go to bed at night, he never knew if he would wake up the next morning. I mean, he lived in that physical reality every day the final year of his life. During that time, he shared these six words. All of life is about trust. I've been turning those over in my mind. When I first read them, I said, yeah, all of life is about trust. I mean, think about it for a moment. What really matters in all of life? Relationships. And at the heart of relationships that are good is trust. And at the heart of relationship with God, all of life, my friends, is about trust. And that is exactly what David teaches us in this psalm. Life is about trusting God to be the good God that he is. Stephen Machia commented on Reuben Job's words when he said, Without trust, there is no abundant life. Always trust the love of God first and foremost. One thing remains constant and trustworthy— The God of trustworthy love will never walk away, never turn his back, and never neglect humankind. Amen. We can trust him. And what that makes this world that we're in, even today, even on March fifteenth, 2020, it makes the world a very safe place for us to live. Probably the one person who's influenced me more in thinking about this in his book, Life Without Lack, is Dallas Willard. It was published after his death. It's reflections on Psalm 23. I think it's maybe his best book ever. And he says this. All these things the Lord's been speaking and teaching me these recent months. The basic idea Jesus has about the world is, with all its evil pushed to the limit, and what he went through going toward and nailed upon the cross... His basic idea is that this world is a perfectly good and safe place for anyone to be, no matter the circumstances, if they have placed their lives in the hands of Jesus and his Father. It's a perfectly safe place. So when you read the entirety of Psalm 34, don't misread it as some false claim of freedom from troubles or pain or suffering. That's not the point at all. But rather, read it as the truth that God turns toward us. The God who never fails us. The God who is with us always. Read it as a reminder that the safest place to be is in the place of trusting God. And then let it be an example to you and to me of our need for us to fix our minds upon God. Can we do that? Fix our minds upon God. Asking God to fill our minds, fill our minds and our hearts with the vision of the God who is good and who loves us. Yes, taste and see that the Lord is good because he is. And then we too can be as the psalmist and declare, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And one more word, as Dallas Willard said, we are blessed to live in a world where there is a fully self-sufficient, generous God who wants to provide what is best for us and loves us more than we could ever imagine. We are blessed to live in a world where there's a fully self-sufficient, generous God who wants to provide what is best for us and loves us more than we could ever imagine. Even in the midst of the pain, and even in the midst of the fear, and even in the midst of the difficulty, sometimes especially there. And so here we go. Let's turn. Let's turn to the safety that is God. And let us trust Him. I invite you to stand this morning with us As we close this morning, let us place our faith in the living God. Let's pray together. Lord, as we go from this place, we pray that we go trusting in the good God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we pray that as we go, that we would be the light of the world. Revealing your hope to the world, wherever we find ourselves. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So remember, please stay connected to our Facebook page and to our website for updates. And then I will see you Wednesday. We are gathering next week on Facebook Live to worship together. God bless you. You're dismissed.